Welcome to the Insecurity Project podcast. I hope you're enjoying the music playing alongside my voice. It's my intention that it makes it easier for you to receive the stuff and, and that it lingers with you. It, it touches you in surprising ways and stirs your heart and instills beliefs inside you that you, you can live a meaningful life free of insecurity. You might be surprised by this, but it's it's often my experience after the end of each week's podcast, I just think, Uh, maybe that's the last time I'll ever do an episode of the Insecurity Project. I think I'm out of things to say. Um, You know, you might have heard me say before that I'm non-negotiable about the idea that I do not want to add to the noise. There's an awful lot of noise out there and I'd hate to be contributing to that. Uh, If I've got something to say that I feel like could be useful, I'll say it, but until then I won't. And so I often feel like, I think I've said everything I want to say. I couldn't imagine saying another thing couldn't imagine needing to say another thing and then something stirs some inspiration is there there's some need I feel compelled to communicate something that I've found valuable to myself and I think maybe it might be valuable to you too so here we are again uh, driving to Canberra this morning Uh, I I just thought I'm going to chuck my podcast mic in I, I feel something brewing inside me and I reckon, I reckon there could be another message here. And so here we are, I'm sitting in my car recording because as the days progressed, there's been some lovely ideas that have come together. Starting with Tyler Durden. If you've seen Fight Club, that name will be familiar to you. If you haven't, well, I introduced that movie to my 18-year-old daughter, Amity, last night uh, to show us some classic film. And I was surprised she agreed to watch it, seeing that she has a particular sensitivity to male patriarchy and toxic masculinity and uh, feels quite free to give me a TED talk on both those subjects every second night. But nevertheless, we sat down to watch this movie together and it is a great film. It's a pretty dark film, but the theme of Tyler Durden, this seemingly real character who makes way as a catalyst for great transformation for the hero in the story. Not all pleasant and and not all constructive, but nevertheless breaks him free from the confines of his dead-end corporate world where he is struggling to sleep and has no meaning. And so I I was thinking about Tyler Durden and and then I was, uh, my phone disconnected uh, from the car for some reason and then the ABC radio flicked on and there was a report from a, a foreign correspondent who's in the UK at the moment as part of what's going, what's happening in, as, as part of the, the Queen's the celebration of her life. And she was saying it's, it's actually very moving watching the outpouring of love and and not so much grief but, but great gratitude and, and love and support for the life that Queen Elizabeth II lived. And, and she said there, are, there is a line stretching back uh, eight kilometres for a chance to view her cask, cask, casket, wherever her body is laying. So that's, some people are spending up to 12 hours to get a chance to view, but um, she said they're doing it willingly. They are excited. It's quite a, a beautiful, reverent space that this group of people, um, the countries come together, and, and she's interviewed a number of people on the other side as they've come out the other side. And um, one guy in particular 
who was quite moved by the experience, explained that he'd heard one of the, the commentators on the, on the television the day before explain the fact that uh, you know, Queen Elizabeth had given 70 years of service to the country and, in fact, the world. It, it's fine. You know, surely it's enough to give one day back to her in service and come and give thanks for her life and, and celebrate and honour her. And that was enough for him to explain to his wife, even though she thought he was daft in his words, to come and line up and see her body. So it, it made me think about Tyler and the Queen, and I thought, I, I reckon there's some real similarities here because what what in both cases people are seeking is is the freedom to live a life that counts. And living a life that counts is hard and rare and there are so many things that work against that and so to clinging to something or someone that gives permission to live a life that counts to live a life of service to live a life of purpose to live a life without fear to live a life of generosity is what we all long to do we're all longing to break out of the confines of a small insignificant life and make life count even if we have to invent a character such as Tyler Durden, it looks like Tyler is a real person and he's the one you know, giving instructions to break free. But in fact, such was the desperation of this man stuck in corporate world, he invented a character so that he could have permission. Uh, it's not so much that the Queen has actually done anything. Which, that, that's a strong statement. Sorry, Your Majesty. Um, no disrespect meant. But I'm, I'm not sure that's why she's so important. You know, has the Queen really added much to the world? You know, and, and I mean, I love the Commonwealth Games as much as the next person, but it's it's largely a figurehead. Uh, it's it's largely a, a, a title that doesn't actually do much. Uh, but nevertheless, the great outpouring of love for her and for her life is evidence of the fact that people are trying to find a way to live a life that counts, even if it means lining up for 12 hours walking 8 kilometres even if it means inventing a character in your head who enables you to break free and live a life that is fearless the real the real driver is inherent goodness the real driver is longing for meaning the real driver is a desperation to live it's hard and so it, it, it made me lean into the work that I feel compelled to do I'm you know, it's possible that I've got another book in me. I, I put out a blog post today, today being Friday, um, as I'm recording this episode. It won't go to air for a few days yet. Uh, but it's a, a blog post entitled The Five Most Surprising Qualities of Genuinely Good Human Beings. You might have heard me re- I recorded a podcast with the same title midway through last year. But it's a topic that I, I think is probably some of my most important work and it, it flows out of this idea that I'm, I'm convinced the music that plays inside me, that, that my body is becoming a, a much clearer and sharper vessel for, is a music around being a good human being, not as an end in itself, but as a way into a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment, which is a very spiritual experience in my way of thinking about it. Now, my experience of spirituality growing up was one that often looked like you had to escape your humanity to become spiritual. Human being, being a human was a problem. Being a human was to be bad, was to be selfish, was to be greedy, was to be full of all kinds of the wrong stuff. And so you had to kill or exit or suppress that view and, and 
find an alternate way of being disconnected from who you really were. And so I watched many people really devote themselves to that way of thinking and sure they had some amazing spiritual experiences, but it never translated to anything in the real world. It didn't make them better parents, better spouses, better with money, better at their job, better people. It just made them weirdos. And I've seen many people not inside church world do the very same thing with, with crystals or essential oils or tarot cards or whatever the thing, still the same intention. I don't know how to be a human, that's really hard, so I'll just escape this into some esoteric, abstract, spiritual world where my problems don't even exist, so I don't even have to solve them. And I don't think that's how it works. I think the aim of the game is to work at how to be a good human first, because we are human. That is the form we find ourselves in. So it makes sense to utilize the gift we've been given and to maximize it and, 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 and include and transcend that into a beautiful spirituality. And so these five surprising qualities of genuinely good human beings, you might have heard me talk about them before, but uh, you know, basically are objectivity, security, uh, pragmatism, ambition, and kindness. Uh, objectivity being the ability to think about your thinking and to get outside your own experience of life and look back in, which is not easy. And so every moment, even if you can just be objective for moments, which is all we really have access to, those moments improve the quality of your life and improve the impact of your life on others. If you get stuck in your own experience of life, you'll think it's real and true and concrete and you'll bunker down in that. But you'll become arrogant with that. You'll become closed and sure you'll think you're right and everyone's wrong and you won't think your experience is a map of reality you'll think it's reality itself and so it'll become a prison to you as well being objective means you stop taking yourself so seriously and you stop taking your experience so seriously and you realize it's all story and it's just one way of experiencing things so it means you could change that experience it also means you're more humble and gentle with others because they've got their own experience and you can empathize with their viewpoint knowing that it's a viewpoint too that has equal validity. Being secure, of course, is, is to be a good human being because when you encounter a secure human, you encounter a loving human. To be secure means you have done the work of confronting your worst assumptions and narratives and opinions about yourself, which are all very unloving and very unkind and cause you to show up needy and desperate and uh, longing for approval and willing to compromise in any way to get your cup full, which is to be quite a destructive human being. However, when you resolve that tension and see it's all a misunderstanding and do the work of deeply loving and accepting yourself, then you come into the world with love inside you. That means you can now give and receive love to the world. You meet a secure person, you meet a good person. Being pragmatic means you organize the hierarchy of ideas inside you based on what works best rather than being governed by what's good or bad or right or wrong or religious ideology, philosophy or non-negotiable thinking that comes from your tradition or the expectation of others. Um, any kind of hideout that's rigid and it eventually will cause you to be strange. And one of the interesting experiences about being in the mighty US of A a month ago and you know, think there's a bunch of Americans that listen to this, so not meant to be disrespectful, but an interesting experience that I uh, 
had when I was in Nashville was having beautiful conversations with beautiful people, but then almost at every experience banged my head on some weird ideology or some weird religious thinking or some weird political agenda that was tribal, that was small, that was non-negotiable. And then our conversation stopped being rational and started being weird. In those moments, there was no interaction of love and life. and it, I don't think that person, like it, it stopped them being a good human being. Now, I, I happen to believe that everyone is inherently good. And the problem is most people are stuck in dysfunction and fear and insecurity and immaturity and haven't found a way to bring that goodness to bear on the world. So I'm suggesting everyone can be a genuinely good human being. So it's, again, not, a, not supposed to be a judgment to say that these people became irrational. It was just the experience I had. Um, so objective, uh, secure, pragmatic, ambitious and ambition I'm sure you've all experienced someone who's ambitious alone like that's just all their driver I don't think that makes a person a genuinely good human being because that won't be very well formed so it will come across as egoic and narcissistic and dominant and really ugly and and probably non-negotiable I must achieve this because my identity is tied to this ambition that I want whereas if you're secure you're in you know you're not tied to achieving anything you, you're already fine you've got nothing to prove and defend which means now you're free to go into the world and honor the fact that you do have desire and you can trust your nature so you can lean into those desires it, it is ambitious people that make the world a better place it's ambitious people that sacrifice that are prepared to pay the price even when they're misunderstood to solve important problems to make things better to address inequality and, and inefficiencies and dysfunction to bring their creativity and their intelligence to bear on a pocket of the world that they can influence. If you're half-assing your way through life, if you're settling, if you're surviving, then you're entitled and you're negative and you're complaining and you're a consumer. You're not a contributor. That doesn't make you good. It doesn't make your impact good. And finally, objective, secure, pragmatic, ambitious and kind. And, And kindness as distinct from being nice or pleasant or you know tolerable um, kindness is is you know the impact of your goodness brought to bear on the world it's kind when you're able to tell the truth rather than get stuck in irrational non-negotiables it's kind when you're able to follow the desires of your heart that are good for you and good for the world it's kind when you come into the world not needy and desperate but nothing to prove and defend it's kind when you can see that you just have a story and so does others and so you're willing to get out of your own head and actually listen to other people's point of view that's all kind that that really means you're kind it means you have kind eyes a, a kind heart a generous spirit it means that the impact of your life is is influential and and you do live a life that counts so I think back to Tyler and the Queen I think there is a way of living a genuinely good human being that won't come by waiting 12 hours and walking eight kilometers to see a, a dead woman or being so disconnected from any real hope of living a meaningful life that you have to invent an abstract or arbitrary way to give yourself permission to live life but look, that, that wasn't even what I thought I was talking about today. What I, what I really wanted to share was an experience of anxiety that I've had for the last seven days um, up until today. And this is the first chance I've had to talk about it because I've found a way to resolve it. 
Now, you may have heard me explain or deconstruct my thinking about anxiety before, that I, I don't agree with the general assumption that anxiety is a disorder, that it's an external symptom, it's something that happens to you. I think it's evidence of what's going on internally. I think you're implicit in your own anxiety. I am implicit in my own anxiety. Anxiety requires a backstory to survive. So I haven't been anxious, and when I say anxious, that manifests in my body as tension in my diaphragm, this band of tension that kind of wraps itself in my chest and restricts my breathing and agitates my state and, um, you know, is quite an intense experience. It was so intense for the first few days that I didn't feel like I had any bandwidth to get outside and observe it, even though I knew I was creating it. I was convinced assured like there was no uncertainty that I was doing it to myself I just couldn't see how yet and so I knew when I could get time and space I'd I'd solve it as I do or any other signal in my body so the pain escalated to a point where I was no longer willing to tolerate it more than more than when I found a convenient or clean space to review it I, I got forced into a corner by myself which was very loving and kind because that anxiety being brought by myself is not trying to ruin my life it's trying to draw my attention to something that is deficient in my thinking and needs upgrading in my operating system so to increase that tension is a loving thing to do because it increases my ability to or my desire to have that conversation the conversation I don't think I can have because unconsciously I I kind of fear that there's something in this conversation that's going to be hard and I'm going to have to do something difficult and so if I can just avoid it a bit longer, then I can you know, distance myself from having to take that difficult action. Nevertheless, it finally gets to a point where I can't, I can't live like this. This is, I'm not sleeping. That's affecting my running. I'm not very nice to be around. Uh, not fun. So, okay. So I, I, I went and grabbed my trainer, my, my stationary trainer, strapped my bike to it. Um, went and got my journal and punched out some K's on the bike, which might seem strange, but I find uh, exercise a really interesting way to get in a different state and, and do some great problem solving. I've always done my best thinking running or riding. And so um, I, I brainstormed, well, you know, three days into this experience, I brainstormed a list of 15 topics that it could have been. And, and, like this is this is the point around listening to yourself around these it starts with i don't know what this is and when you examine that statement you realize that's not entirely true because if someone was to start making some suggestions about what it is you'd often go well no i mean it's not that and yeah it's obviously not this so then okay while you might not know exactly what it is you do know something about this so start there start with a list of probables and possibles Start there, brainstorm. What? And so for me, I examine complexity. I examine problems in my, in my life. Uh, and my thoughts around problems, I welcome problems. I, I don't think a life well lived is absent of problems. I think um, a meaningful life has just problems of higher and higher quality. So there are lots of problems in my life all the time because I'm trying to do something meaningful and grow a business and raise a family and earn money and be fit and love my, love my wife and be a good person so there's lots of problems to solve not just laying on the couch avoiding difficulty lots of difficulty all that to say there were 15 things on the list and I thought I don't know which one of these they are because it could be any one of them 
uh, and I avoided narrowing it down until the pain rose. I got on my stationary bike and went through the list and I just examined which of those topics had the most kind of charge to it until I found my way back to the first one that I wrote, which, no surprise, when I examined that one, uh, that problem started seven days ago. And it was a problem with my son. My beautiful boy is 16 years of age. Well, almost 16. Um, I did lie to the pool gym the other day so he could exercise in there and told him he was 16 and he wasn't. I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry because he's as tall as me. I'm in there supervising. So what does it matter? He's old enough to exercise. So I think he can go to the gym. <laughs> Anyway, so he's actually not 16, but don't tell anyone, all right? Especially don't tell Golden Mawari Council that he's not actually 16. So he and I had a blow-up, and it, it, didn't, it didn't go very well. And they got heated, and things were said, and there was pushing and shoving, and, you know, it, two young, well, two young bulls, one young bull coming up against one old bull. So and I didn't love that experience, even though we resolved it and sorted it out. I got stressed about it. And as I, as I uncovered what that was about, I explored, you know, the tension was to do with Elliot's experience of life at the moment, not enjoying school, but not clear about what is going to happen next and not liking the rules of the family and wanting to do his own thing, but not really having a, the maturity or the ability to do that. And I just felt, as I examined it, I felt stress about the challenge of parenting my 16-year-old son in the complexity of today's world managing technology and career opportunities and education and there was some part of me that had inadvertently felt like I wasn't up for the challenge and there was my insecurity sorry well you know there was my anxiety first anxiety requires a backstory to survive that backstory is always around insecurity some part of me thought I couldn't do the thing that was in front of me I'm not up to this challenge which was a strange thing to have told myself and no wonder I had tension in my body. Sorry, so I'm sitting in the car and some clown is making fun of me with my big phallic symbol microphone record. Yeah, yeah, very funny, mate. Piss off. Bloody dickhead. Uh, Sorry. Anxiety requires a backstory to survive. Not something that happened to me something that I'm implicit in and so I faced that and the the psychology of self-esteem from Nathaniel Brandon is a beautiful framework to double down on this idea he says that life provides us really with a simple choice between facing up and running away every time we run away you know cleverly through blame excuse avoidance procrastination obfuscation we can escape the challenge, but we don't get away scot-free. We take shame, guilt, and anxiety and inadvertently teach ourselves we don't have what it takes to deal with life and therefore need to keep running to solve problems. That's how we solve problems, we run. And, and in the process of running away and teaching ourselves we don't have what it takes, we undermine our self-esteem. So we end up feeling really bad about ourselves and being racked with anxiety. So that was my experience. And I, I saw it clearly while spinning wheels on the trainer and realised that I told myself I couldn't handle my 16-year-old son. And 
And that was, a, that was an unkind thing to do to him and me. So I reviewed that and realized that wasn't true, that I've been able to handle every one of the challenges up till now. And he is still my responsibility. He's not, he's 16, well, no, not really. Yeah, we've made that clear. Um, basically, ba- like, he's, yeah, we'll call him 16. And, but as such, he's still under my roof. He still doesn't have a job. He's still at school. So, okay, I am his dad, and it is my job to be real in his world and help him navigate the significant challenges as he becomes his own person. And so it's, we're going to make it. We're going to get through it. It's going to be fine. We're going to find a way to help him finish the education he needs, find the next thing, and, and to dial down the stress and anxiety about how difficult it's going to be and impossible it is. We'll find a way, just as we, as we have for every other challenge in the 16 years prior. So this, this, this morning, I, I took him out for breakfast um, after at the pool gym. Again, apologies, got my worry council. Sorry, not sorry. He's 16. He's 16. Okay, stop it. He's 16. Um, and I apologized to my son and and said that uh, I'd created extra stress for him by showing up with some unconscious assumption that I couldn't handle his challenge. So if I can't handle it, then he's always on his own and he doesn't feel like he can handle it either. And he shouldn't have to handle it on his own at this stage in his life. So I apologized and promised um, that I was capable and willing and that I loved him and that he was a good boy and that we'll find, we'll find a way and that there's no hurry. I was 19 when I started work. He's, he's 16, you know. Um, of course he's 16. There's still plenty of time to work it out. He, he doesn't understand every conversation he and I have. His, his two favourite words are, wait, what? But this, this conversation he understood and was grateful for. Him. We, had a, we had a lovely conversation this morning and instantly this band of tension dissolves because, okay, I've shown that I am capable of being his dad and it's all going to be okay. And together we'll solve the problems we need to solve in this season of his life. And then we'll keep earning high quality ones. I thought that was important to share. That um, I, I'd imagine most of you, some of you, all of you, will have some version of this for yourself. There'll be some stuff in your world that perhaps you are unconsciously avoiding, running from, pretending, obfuscating. Great word, obfuscating, it means to cloud the issue if you're not familiar with that language. But in the process of doing all that, you'll be undermining your own self-esteem and giving yourself anxiety. I hope that's useful. I'm going to leave it there for today. Talk to you again sometime soon.